Welcome to Diverse Joy. I'm excited to be here with my co-host, Dr. Amber Nelson, professor of clinical psychology at George Fox University. And my co-host, Dr. William T.L. Cox. He's the CEO and founder of The Inequity Agents of Change Nonprofit. And today, um, we're going to start with just like talking about why Diverse Joy, right? Yeah. Why did we call this Diverse Joy? <laughs> why is it the kind of guiding <laughs> philosophy the of this force. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I am super excited about it because really in our conversations around diversity, um, we've we've found that like oftentimes the joy gets sucked out of the conversation and we just focus so much on negative things, the things that are happening in the news and things like that, that we miss out on what it means to just center joy and what it means to, um, to center diverse joy. And also recognizing that when we're talking about diverse folks or non-majority folks, it's also been weaponized and even police what what joy might look like for people. Absolutely. Um, and we've even seen it. We've seen it in the news, right? Like a black family just enjoying themselves on in at the um, having a picnic, a barbecue at the park, and they get the police called on them because somebody doesn't like the ways in which they're expressing their joy, right? And so we're just talking about like one recentering what joy is, what it looks like, and the variety of ways that joy shows up for people from our hobbies and interests to our cultural celebrations to just the ways in which we celebrate, right? Um, but also just really being able to center to center that experience and to destigmatize the various ways in which individuals, cultures, families celebrate and express their joy. Yeah, yeah, I love this idea of of the, what we're doing. I imagine this being like our tagline, like right. putting the joy back into <laughs> conversations about diversity yes. and and those those kinds of topics. The 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 uh, police getting called on on families expressing their joy idea right. also reminds me of recent things that are happening yeah. with uh, laws getting passed against drag queens. Right. Like like what what right. is that even about? Right. I mean, right. if there's any kind of like thing people do that's just a pure expression of joy, right. like that's that's it's, what drag queens are. They're just people is. having fun, exactly. performing, being silly, right. clowning around, right. and just like like it's pure entertainment and joy. Right. And, and but it's something that you know it's a part of the gay community, and right. then uh, people who are trying to kind of go after that community are right. then then trying to again police that, making yeah. it illegal, uh, like this law in, in Tennessee that we're we're struggling with. Right. So Absolutely. like, ugh. yeah. Well, and yeah. Again. You know, the drag community, it's all about just entertainment and taking something and kind of taking it to absurdity, right? And like yeah. just the exaggerations. And it is, it's all about joy, both individual and collective joy. And yeah. I think that that, again, comes back to conversations that we want to have is what does collective joy look like, right? Totally. And um, how can even our individual joy become collective joy? And I think that there's something really, really meaningful about that. Um, and just excited for us to be having these conversations. So as we're like starting this off, talking about diverse joy, <laughs> Will, what's bringing you joy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. So 
Uh, something that really brought me joy uh, recently is uh, my fiance and I, uh, and, well, and for the, the listeners who don't know me yet, uh, uh, my fiance is our producer, Eric Yay. Roman Bining, um, amazing. who is an amazing photographer and graphic designer and, and is producing this, this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he and I, as kind of a celebration of our engagements, mm -hmm. uh, we went to Disney World, so uh, which was a blast. Yes. <laughs> Lots of joy there. Yes. Um, and uh, we went on the... The Galactic Star Cruiser, which so is cool. the, so cool. we both really like Star Wars. His birthday is actually May the 4th. I, <laughs> the, I did not this. realize that. And that just makes it that much better. <laughs> um, and um, um, so, so we went on this, the Star Cruiser, which basically so it's uh, like a cruise, except it's in reality, it's all, you know, just in a hotel on, on land. Uh, but once you get inside the hotel, the whole thing just looks like a spaceship. They have it That's all amazing. set up like you're in space. They have these giant like windows that aren't really windows, they're screens right. where you're actually like on the spaceship looking oh down gosh. at a planet below you. And I have to say the first time I stepped onto the bridge and like looked <laughs> at like the spaceport uh -huh. and the planet below, it took my breath away. Oh like I knew I was on you're earth. Like, you're like, like, I know where I actually am, but like I've actually been transported yeah, to another was, planet. It was amazing. And so, awesome. so it was two, two nights and, and two days roughly. Yeah. And it's all immersive. Like everyone who works there is at least a little bit of an actor, and, yeah, yeah, like from character. the bartender, to the the like uh, maid staff and yeah, all yeah. of them are, are fully into it and committed wow. to it being like hey we're all from different planets uh, and it, it was just lots of fun uh, the, the whole thing kind of had a video game element yeah. where you would go off on little missions like figure that. out how to um, hack into things on the yeah. ship um, they had a real life uh, droid running around oh like an R2-D2 kind of uh, thing. Um, his, th their name was SK. SK. Um, that was also a cool thing. They had a, their droid was non-binary. Um, I they, love them that. Pronouns. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and SK was like a really fully functional like like droid, droid. moving around that would wow. interact with would you interact and with all you kinds of stuff. And then uh, what else? Oh, Gaia. Have to yeah. talk about Gaia. You gotta talk so. about Gaia. <laughs> Feel the pain, feel the pain. It's coming from the dark tunnels. You gotta talk about Gaia. <laughs> I told her a little bit about Gaia before. Uh, so Gaia is this amazing uh, Twi'lek, which is a Star Wars type of alien. Um, and uh, as soon as you get on the ship, everyone's kind of talking about her. And in like odd tones, kind of mm -hmm. like it was, was Beyonce, like Beyonce's so, on the ship. Everyone's uh, like, oh my so God, Gaia's on the ship. <laughs> and she was freaking amazing. So, so she's, you know, a, a singer, but she's yeah. also working with the resistance to, uh, you know, do kind of, you know, typical Star Wars-y kind of stuff. But that. then she had a few mini concerts where the actress was an amazing singer, wow. um, even all in this blue and purple makeup. That's amazing. Um, and I'm really excited because they just released an album. Yeah of yeah. her music. Uh, we listened to it a little bit today and I have to say I'm a Gaia fan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she is the best. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so that's been that that's something that recently brought me a lot I of joy. I have to say I am like <laughs> How about you? <laughs> so, I, well, I first of all, I am so into this. Like it is just so cool and that's one of those things like I'm 
I'm like a low level, I'm a high low level nerd, <laughs> right? Like I love all nerd things, um, but I'm really into Disney. Like I love Disney. And it's one of those things that Disney just does so well, yeah. right? Around just like these immersive experiences oh, yeah. at the parks and the different spaces that they create is just incredible. Even like the door to your your hotel room. I mean, it's it's like a, a sliding, you know, pocket door kind of yeah. thing. They have to pull like it's a real latch on it's a spaceship. It's amazing. Then. I. I definitely need to like figure out a way to go on this. So it's really <laughs> exciting. And and you asked me like, what, what is yeah, what's bringing, bringing you joy, joy is now that we're like, we're talking about Star Wars and for our listeners, um, we're both kind of in Star Wars, you know, regalia garb. <laughs> um, I'm more low level again. I'm wearing my Star Wars shirt and lightsaber skirt. And of course my Grogu or baby Yoda earrings. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm in a, a, a Jedi lightsaber training yes. uh, tunic that I got on the Star Cruiser that our amazing. video uh, our video <laughs> people can see. We'll also, see. those of you who are checking out the video, uh, our producer will put some pictures from when we were on the Star Cruiser on the video. Yeah. So if you're listening by, by via audio, you can also check out the video to get little glimpses get of some, some of our get fun some stuff. Glimpses, yeah. Uh, well, but speaking of Star Wars, really, as we were talking about this and kind of planning planning the episode, one of the things that has really brought me so much joy again as like this you know self-identified nerd is we were having a conversation um when you came and gave a training with my institution and you talked about jedi as the new acronym for like dei <laughs> trainings and it is incredible so it stands for justice equity diversity and inclusion and i've only ever heard of edi or dei and bringing in first of all bringing in the idea of justice as part of your uh, as part of our training and what we're talking about when it comes to diversity initiatives is massive. We need to have a justice focus. And I think that oftentimes we touch on it, but it hasn't necessarily been explicit and it definitely hasn't necessarily been the first part of it. Right. Yeah. So really bringing that in explicitly and talking about justice first and then equity, diversity and inclusion um, and it being Jedi has just geeked me say, out so you, much. <laughs> you mostly just like being able to say, I'm doing Jedi work. I'm doing Jedi work. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm going to Jedi training. I'm now. doing a Jedi training. Like It is, it is the best. And my <laughs> students like just laugh at me every time, but they they totally get it, and I love it. So I'm getting a telepathic <laughs> note from our producer right now. Uh, I think Disney wants to sue us if, we if we're not careful. <laughs> if we're not careful about Jedi, Jedi, Jedi training, I'll be, um, yeah, we'll be yeah, about yeah. That so one. I can't I can't take original credit for that. I, I don't know who who first did that acronym, but I was I was happy to share it with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't use it all the time because I always mm -hmm. want to make sure I'm I'm respecting like the seriousness of of some of this this work that we do yeah. but uh yeah <laughs> i do have fun with it <laughs> it is it is the best it's the best and like i said it just brings me so much joy and it, and honestly even just the acronym in and of itself has transformed the ways in which i approach my teaching and approach my curriculum development how i'm talking about it with other people and really infusing justice and justice being the primary like the first focus and kind of um centering that around um all of our our other diversity initiatives has really um, been really meaningful. So awesome. I love that. Well, cool. Well, speaking of diversity initiatives, that Absolutely. kind of brings us to our, our main topic for right. today. In addition to, to this uh, notion of diverse joy we wanted to introduce, 
Uh, so, so one of the things, so, uh, for those of you who are new to us, Amber and I both, uh, work in these kind of spaces doing DEI work or Jedi work. Jedi work yes. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, um, I come at it from the perspective of a scientist. So I have yeah. a PhD in social psychology. Um, and really all my work has, has been looking at kind of things like your brain and how your brain works and why different mechanisms in your brain lead to perpetuating things like bias, like right. stereotyping, but especially, you know, studying that sort of stuff scientifically with an eye on how do we make a difference? How do we help people uh, kind of overcome biases? Right. How do we get people to uh, recognize when they could be vulnerable to bias and then help them overcome it, help yeah. them do more of this kind of work? Um, in order for us to make real progress on all of these sorts of issues, uh, disparities, inequities, racism, sexism, anti-gay prejudice, all these things, right. we really need everyone to be working on Absolutely. it. It can't just be, you know, the, the diversity officer at your company right. does some stuff. <laughs> It really has right. to be everyone at the company looking out for things, looking right. out for things Absolutely. that can be better. And so uh, a lot of people recognize this, that, you know, we – issues of inequities and bias are big problems. Right. Um, and so it's kind of led to this cottage industry where there are people kind of pulling together trainings. Right. Di sometimes they, they're called diversity trainings, right. equity trainings, right. implicit bias trainings, right. cultural competency. The yep. the labels go on and yes. on and on and on. <laughs> um, and and – uh, the, the, this has become a, an issue because although these trainings are, are, are put together with really positive intentions, right. uh, people really just trying to make a meaningful difference, generally speaking, the people uh, making a lot of these trainings aren't experts in cognitive behavioral science. Right. Um, they, they're, they're pulling together real factual information in these trainings, but just giving people information doesn't necessarily lead to changes in behavior. Right. This is something That's we know from from decades and decades of of all kinds of research right. in this area and in other areas of cognitive behavioral change and and the science around it. Absolutely. And uh now we're kind of in a state of affairs where we know there are all these trainings out here. They're not mm -hmm. scientifically tested and they aren't mm -hmm. developed by scientists. Um, but when scientists like myself come in and evaluate them, yep. um, what ends up happening, what, what the data end up showing is that bias and diversity trainings at large, they do nothing. Right. They lead to no changes in people's yep. behavior, no changes in, in co corporate climate or organizational climate. Right. Um, and that's at best. At right. best, they do nothing. Mm. In many cases, they actually end up making problems worse. Absolutely. Um, so, for instance, there are a lot of uh, so-called implicit bias trainings that, that teach people – Again, real science, real, real, true facts yep. about how there are ways that uh, we can often express bias without meaning to. Right, and that's something that's been central in my work and central to, to things I talk about. Right, but uh, these implicit bias trainings most often don't really give people more than that. They teach right. people, well, you, you have these implicit biases. Right, and what we can actually see happening in organizations sometimes, and some when researchers come and evaluate these trainings, white people get get worried, honestly, yeah. earnestly <laughs> concerned. They don't want to express bias towards their yes. colleagues of color or yeah. their students of color, but they don't know what to do about they it. They don't know what to so do. So they avoid interacting yeah. with them. Yep. And so if you have an organization where all the white people are avoiding interacting Absolutely. with people of color, it's a much more negative climate, not yeah. a more positive one. Yep. Um, and other, again, if it's yeah, not please. based in, if it's not based in, again, those actionable steps, right. you're, you are, it, it, it highlights 
maybe my our own biases and we get scared of them. Exactly. Like we're getting scared, like, oh my gosh, I didn't People think I was racist. <laughs> I didn't think I had these biases. Exactly. I don't know what to do with it. And then you you end up operationally doing things that are that lead to harm or yeah. that are worse because of it. And yeah. I actually had um I just remembered this. Like so for part of my sure. dissertation, um, I I looked at how, if we can raise folks' awareness around issues, diversity issues, will that help how they perceive marginalized folks and how they interact with them? And my intervention was to kind of raise the awareness of biases, right? And this was, you know, 15, 10 years <laughs> ago. Um, but at that time, um, we I did that and the intervention worked in the sense of that it raised people's awareness, but they got they, the information. You they gave. got the information. However, it operationalized to worse perceptions yeah. and worse <laughs> behaviors and all of those things. So it exactly this, right? That, so we see the, that this is by this is the bad, that bad training. And so much of the training is done by folks like with the best intentions at heart, absolutely. wanting to say, like, hey, let's have a conversation about these things. Let's raise the awareness, but not equipping people with what to do with it. Exactly. And then it actually ends up doing the exact opposite of what they're hoping to do. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and this is something I could go on and on and on. Right. There's a whole literature out there. <laughs> so much. Uh, but uh, so as as you know, uh, one major exception to this mm -hmm. uh, is a training that my colleagues and I have developed right. and experimentally tested over the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, it's called the Bias Habit Breaking Training. Mm -hmm. uh, you can learn more at our, our nonprofit, the nonprofit mm -hmm. that you know sponsors this podcast, uh, bias.habit.com. But but basically, uh, we're going to learn more about it later in today's session. But but the gist of it is that over the last fifteen years, we've tested it, we've put it through the rigorous kind of randomized controlled experiments that we put medical interventions through. Right. Uh, many of them funded uh, by the National Institute for General Medical Sciences. Yeah. I always have to call call them out because they've been <laughs> huge advocates that let us do this work. And uh, our our training is is one the one major exception where we've shown it actually doesn't have these kinds of negative effects yeah. that we know bias trainings have and has a lot of really positive effects gets people motivated yeah. uh motivates them to become what we call agents of change yes. everyone starts seeing jedi work right. or dei work right. working on biases working against inequities right. they see that as their responsibility Absolutely. um and they put in the effort yeah. and with some of the tools and things we teach them they become more effective at that cuz we give them those kind of actionable Absolutely. steps. Absolutely. Um, and that's a, our, our kind of secondary goal with this podcast right. um, is that in each episode, we're going to kind of give a little part of, the, of that training yeah. um, so that if you're a regular listener of the podcast over time, you're going to get all these kinds of kinds of skills. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, so we're going to talk about that. Um, we're each episode is going to have a little skills section where we give you some of this kind of habit breaking kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, but before we get to that, one of the other things that we thought we'd do, um, our next segment um, is going to be about kind of sharing stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll get back to that after this break. Great. Ah, welcome back from hey, break. Yes. <laughs> Got some refreshments. Got a little water. In our awesome Diverse Joy mugs. <laughs> also made by our producer, Eric Roman Bionni. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So um, one other thing that we we think we're going to try to do every episode is uh, story time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the idea was sh- sharing one uh, more negative story or more difficult story uh, about bias or or those kinds of experiences, but then always pair it with a more positive one. So mm-hmm. so maybe one story will be about a time someone expressed bias towards right. one of us or towards a student or or whatever. But then uh, we'll share a story about sometimes someone did something really well. Someone was a great you know ally or, or, or did better. Yeah. Um, again, cause everything about our, our podcast, we want it to be, uh, always leaning towards joy. Yes. Um, so, uh, for our very first episode, yeah. uh, I believe you have a story to share Amber. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, as we were talking about like what, uh, you know, stories of bias and things like that, um, I, one of the things that I first thought about was um, being mistaken. Um, and so before I tell the story to explain a little bit for those that are audio listeners, um, I identify as a fat black woman. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a woman who occupies a larger body. Um, I'm biracial, um, but I I am read as black all the time and I identify as black. Um, sometimes I wear a head wrap, sometimes I don't, um, but I'm a big black woman. Um, and so when folks- Big black, I- fabulous. Big, black, and fabulous. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so when people interact with me, right, like they're interacting with me as a big black woman. Um, And one of those instances, um, first time I met this woman um, and she was like, I bet you are an amazing singer. I bet you just have the most soulful voice, gospel <laughs> singer. And I it, I was taken aback for a second and trying to like think of our context, like what were the context clues that would give her this assumption about me? And I also identify as Christian. So like maybe there was that, but it wasn't really part of the conversation. Um, and then I stepped back, I was like, oh, it's because I'm a big black woman. <laughs> She's assuming, first of all, that I say, Second of all, that it's soulful. And third of all, that it's got to be gospel music, right? And that you're good at it. And that I'm, <laughs> I'm good at it. All of those things are not true. <laughs> I do sing. Don't get me wrong. I love to sing. I'm singing all the time, but I identify as a shower singer. And that's about where I like to, to keep it. <laughs> it's all Disney music, isn't it? Mostly Disney music. <laughs> Definitely mostly Disney music. Um, and I do sing in other spaces. My family would always get embarrassed because because I sing in the, well, and we went grocery shopping earlier today. I'm always singing. I'll sing in the grocery store, sing wherever, but it's just not good singing. You and know? it's not gospel. And it's not gospel, usually. <laughs> um, and this was, you know, unfortunately, even though this was happening later in life as an adult woman, this wasn't the first time I encountered something like this. Yeah, and tell us. Yeah, I can recall all the way back to elementary school. So I um, had moved to Southern Oregon, which is a really predominantly rural very white space um, from Southern California. And my first day at my new school, I had this lovely teacher, who, person who I who I still love to this day, um, have me come up to the, cl- the front of the classroom and introduce myself. And she basically said the same thing. I was like, I bet you are a really great gospel singer. Why don't you sing for us? Oh, no. And... <laughs> I was just sitting there like elementary, I think it was second grade, going, wait, what? Why do you want? 
I've never had to sing for people before. Second grade. And second grade. You're like seven years old. Right. And I'm just like, I don't understand why I'm being asked to sing for everybody, which has a lot of other connotations and that go all the way back to slavery and and early early representations of black folks and entertainment and being forced to like entertain folks um and also again this assumption that i'm a gospel singer in second grade and um it was the first encounter that my school my little small predominantly white school encountered my mom and, <laughs> and i remember going home and telling my mom how I, my first day of school and how i was introduced and she said they did what <laughs> but yeah she's an italian american she's an italian american um and um and i, I grew up with my Italian half of my family, and um, she used to wear these this, these big keys on her hip. This was <laughs> the like '90s, early '90s, right? And you'd she'd walk down the hall, and you could hear them like jingling. And <laughs> oh, she's coming! <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I'm I'm very blessed because my mom was always so good at anytime she heard something like that that she was coming down to that school to educate them and tell them why what they did Aww. to me was wrong. Um, even when I didn't understand it at the time, right? Like second grade, I didn't understand what was wrong with them having me sing or try to sing in front of everybody. Or why they did that. <laughs> or why they did it in the first place. She always did. And she was the first person to march down there and set them straight. Um, but again, like these stories of bias and even this particular bias for me as a big black woman um, is not uncommon, right? And oh, it's one not. that I think that other black women experience as well. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, that <laughs> leads to the, the more positive story, yeah. which, which again, follows the same kind of bias. Yeah. And th this was actually uh, with me. So, so as we've talked about a little, as a, and as we'll probably talk about more, uh, a, a huge part of what I do is kind of disseminating this bias habit breaking training that my colleagues and I have tested over all these years, just trying to, you know, reach more groups, help more people make a difference related right. to these Jedi topics, right. <laughs> as we like to call them. Um, and I, I was doing this training with a group, um, and and usually before I get up and start talking with everyone, I, I try to connect with whoever the host is. You know, usually it's someone who does this kind of Jedi work in their organization, and then they reach out to me. And so I try to you know develop some rapport by by getting to know what are some of their interests, what do they do for fun, and right. kind of click with them a little before uh, uh, my speaking engagement. And so I, I was doing this with uh, the the person, um, and she was also a, a beautiful black woman. <laughs> And when I asked her, you know, what do you do for fun? Like what, uh, you know, what do you do in your spare time? Uh, her response was music. She was like, yeah. I love to sing. Yeah. And that same kind of assumption that it was going to be gospel music is what bubbled up in me. Right. Um, and and I almost said it. Like, it was that kind of thing where I <laughs> caught it in my mouth before mm -hmm. it came out. I almost said, oh, gospel music? Right. And then I was like, wait, why, why would I assume it's gospel? And so what actually came out of my mouth, mm -hmm. which is why this is the more positive story, I was like, oh, what kind of music? Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think so much of what we're going to talk about is is little things like that. You know, the yeah. first thing that pops, there, there's a saying, and I don't know where I, I stole this from, <laughs> but there's a saying that you know, the first thing that pops to your mind is what's kind of been programmed by culture. Right. And that's very often going to be these stereotypes and biases. But then you want to learn to kind of catch that and then make sure that the second thing that comes to mind or what you actually say reflects what you really want. And so I asked her, uh, I said, what kind of music? Yeah. And her answer was opera, which is not what you expect. You don't <laughs> no. like 
you, you expect an opera singer is going to yeah. be a, a white lady with a Viking helmet right, or something. Right, exactly. And 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 I got to got to learn more about it. And she right. uh, her her aunts was actually a very famous opera singer mm. named Grace Bumbery, wow. um, who was a black woman who broke down a lot of barriers in that kind of opera sort of space yeah. as as being a a, a a black opera singer. And so I was able to to uh, learn some interesting things and and didn't kind of build the assumption into uh, right. what I asked. Yeah, and just, um, and how you interacted with her, like yeah. keeping that like lens of curiosity, right? Yes. The lens of curiosity is so helpful. And and a lot of what we'll talk about, especially in this kind of habit-breaking skill, which we'll kind of transition into, is then we're not necessarily going to stop the thoughts from coming in. And sometimes we can't even always stop the thing that come to come out of our mouth, yeah, right? Right. Um, I was having a conversation the other day and somebody used um, – a, a kind of a colloquial phrase and um, like said something like beat them into submission or something. And the second they it came out like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Like that is a horrible term. <laughs> like how, why like is that? Violent. You know, <laughs> right. So violent. It again, goes back to like slave and Oof. all of these times that like, we, we don't always necessarily think about it. Right. Because it's colloquial or things. Um, and so we might not catch it coming out of our mouth, but what we can do is catch it as it, after it's come out and do the re reparative work yeah. once, once the thing has been done. Absolutely. Right. And like, to catch it more quickly the next time. Yeah. And, and actually the act of speaking up about saying, oh, I'm sorry, I yeah. didn't mean it that way or yeah. whatever it is. It makes it less likely you make the same mistake in the exactly. future because it gives your, your brain a little little feedback like, oh, no, that's not the right way to do right. things. And right. yeah, it's always better to acknowledge it. Sometimes what happens is people don't want to apologize or speak up about a mistake they made because they kind of have this this thinking where it's like, I hope no one heard that. Right. Or I, like, just have, I just want to pretend uh, like that didn't happen, right? Yeah. Like, like nobody it, heard it. Yeah. And like <laughs> if I don't draw more attention to it, it's going to be fine. But right. I, I always say, I'm like, odds are people right. did hear what you said they heard it and if you don't <laughs> if you don't speak up about it yeah. all they're left with is what you did say and what you did say and exactly. they don't know it was an accident exactly. they don't know that it was a mistake or exactly. or whatever and so you're just better served by by acknowledging it and yeah. ap apologizing if that's what's relevant in the circumstance absolutely uh and and so on so absolutely yeah well and and this really brings us into this next portion which is talking about the habit breaking skill like what can yeah. we do how do we have these conversations what do we do with this right and so we're really lucky um i'm lucky to be Aww. sitting with dr cox <laughs> who really does he has this like as you were talking about earlier right this tested evidence-based habit uh bias habit breaking training right yes. and it's really about um empowering folks to address these biases to both acknowledge them but also do things to break them it empowers you in a way that is um non-judgmental right it takes kind of the the shame piece out of diversity work, out of yep. doing these things and saying like, hey, we all have, we all have some bias, right? And you, you've talked about it as like this unintentional bias. We all have yeah. these things um, and we can do something about that. Yeah. Uh, and so I, what is today, like as we're talking about all of these things and how we're going to be doing our episodes, bringing in these skills, talking about 
the model, I think, is a yeah. great place to start. Awesome. And so so that's that's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Let's get mm-hmm. into it. So um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge uh, kind of, you know, where it comes from. Uh, and uh, my PhD advisor, Dr. Mm-hmm. Patricia J- Devine, many, mm-hmm. many years ago had this core idea. Uh, if you've ever heard of the term implicit bias or unconscious bias or automatic bias, all that goes back to her dissertation. She had the original idea so that sometimes bias happens and it's not not necessarily what someone's intentions are. It's right. not necessarily who they are as a person, right. but we have these automatic processes in our yep. brain that are going to reflect stereotypes. That that yeah. was her. Yeah. And, and then other people put that term implicit bias on it. Mm-hmm. But the, the basic notion came from, from her. That's and amazing. the way she framed it is think about it like being a habit. Yeah. It's, you know, habits, they, they operate very often unintentionally. Right. Uh, we're not always aware when they happen. Right. They, they get learned over many years. We've yeah. learned biases and stereotypes over throughout our lifetimes. Through yeah. our childhood, um, and uh, they they sometimes pop up uh, when we don't want them to. But if we think about them as habits, well, then what's involved in breaking a habit? Right. Right. Um, and then that was kind of the core model that we put into this training. Gosh, uh, 15, 16 years ago That's now, awesome. when we first uh, started this work, that if you approach bias and trying to create this cognitive change at, by thinking of it as breaking a habit, uh, it it um, it, it will be useful. And yeah. and most people find uh, th- that to be kind of an intuitive notion. Yeah. You know, most people have tried to break a habit at one time or another right. and ki- kind of know what's involved in that. Um, and from the research literature, uh, we kind of have a, a set kind of set of necessary conditions we yep. like to talk about for what's involved in breaking habit. Yep. So the getting into this model, the, yeah. the model for, for how to break a habit. Uh, so the first thing you need is motivation. Right. So uh, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to make any progress on a habit if it's not something you care about changing. Exactly. Um, and actually, one way I like to talk about this also goes back to, to Trish, my, my former PhD advisor. So a habit she had most of her life mm-hmm. uh, was biting her nails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, common kind it's of behavioral one. habit mm-hmm. that that people have. Her whole life, her mother would say to her, "Don't bite your nails. You don't yeah. look like a proper young lady. Yes. You're getting germs in your mouth," <laughs> and so on and yeah. so on. Yeah. And what does Trish hear her whole life? Yeah. She hears womp 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 womp. Mom's yeah. nagging me. Blah blah yeah. blah. Charlie Brown's teacher. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and um and that's because it's it's coming from without, right. coming from someone else nagging you, trying exactly. to get you to change something. That's not a good way to motivate someone. Right. Um, motivation has to ultimately come from within. Right. And here, when we're talking about bias and stereotypes right. and this Jedi kind of work, yeah. uh, we actually have a lot of good news. Research very consistently shows that the average person really does care about treating people fairly. Absolutely. They don't want to disadvantage someone because of the color of their skin or right. their sexual orientation or right. gender. Um, but they, they are vulnerable to these kinds of stereotypes Absolutely. and biases. But, but when you reveal that to them when people find out hey there are ways I could be falling short of being my best self in this area right they do have that motivation right. they are motivated to, to work on it well not for me from a clinical standpoint yeah. um so you know a lot of what you're talking about is really based in like cognitive behavioral therapy right and yeah. um but I also think that there's a there's a there's a piece of this that is also very act-based, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. And really a big tenet of what what that approach is basing your decisions around changing your behaviors in your values. So what are the Mm -hmm. things that I care about? And then I'm going to be making decisions about what I'm doing towards moving towards the things that I care about, the value that I have. And so part of this is, again, 
acknowledging essentially our values yeah. so that you can have motivation to actually make the change. And and this is something that, that uh, again, most people share fairness as yeah, a value. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter if conservative, liberal, whatever, right. fairness, treating people fairly uh, is, is the research says fairly universal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so with most people, we can find that motivation. So that's yeah. that first step. Yeah. You have to care about you know, breaking the habit. Care about it. Uh, then awareness is the next step. So Absolutely. part of the definition of a habit is we're not always aware of how it plays out. Right. Um, and actually, in our conversations with this, Trisha's nail-biting also gives us a good little <laughs> analogy here. Yeah. So she eventually did decide. She found the motivation in herself as an adult. Like, oh, I, want, I, want to, I want to break this habit. But she actually didn't know when she bit her nails. Mm. Uh, so she, if she just looked at them, they were all kind of nibbled down. Right. Um, like, she, when, when did that happen? <laughs> exactly. And so she had to start scouring her environment. This is how mm. she describes it, that yeah. she looked at it like, is it when I'm waiting for the bus? Yeah. Is it when I'm bored? Yeah. Is it when I'm hungry? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like because these habitual things, they're not always operating within right. our awareness. Same yeah. true. Same, same thing is true about biases. Yeah. This is going to be one of the big skill areas that we work on. Yep. Um, it's, it is one that we work on in, in the bias training formally and in our podcast version yes. of it. <laughs> That'll be something that pops up e each week. This awareness component, learning yep. how bias plays out when yes. it's likely to affect our judgments and decisions. Also, sometimes what that that feels like so that we can learn to tune into mm. when that those feelings are coming up that might lead to behavior that disadvantages yeah. someone or creates a disparity. And it really, again, it increases our own insight, right? To And, and connectedness to our body, right? That oh, kind sure. of self-awareness about whether that's a situational thing or there's something happening in our body, right? Like I, yep. I get, one of the things I talk to my students about is that when I start to get anxious <sighs> about something, or or upset or frustrated, yep. my ears get really hot. Oh. And so like my ears start to burn. Um, and once that's happening, then I'm like, okay, something's happening in my environment that I'm responding to, even if I'm not cognitively there yet. And oh. so there's something about the awareness cool. raising, right, of tuning into not just our situation, but also our body. Like our body you know, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's mostly about trauma, but it's really talking about this connection that we have between our mind and our body. Yeah. And so sometimes our body will respond before our brain catches up to, to like, label what's happening. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes that'll be a cool component where I can bring in some of my my research on how your brain works yep. and, yeah. and how, you know, these stereotypes, they involve your brain's reward system, exactly. which then ties into a lot of the kind of physical sensations and stuff you're talking sure. about. Mm -hmm. So, so, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so, so motivation, motivation, awareness, awareness. you have to tune yep. into how something's happening. Cause that's, that's your leverage point to disrupt the biases or prevent them. Then you need some kind of tools. Uh, so you need something else to do. Um, and that's one of the main things that these, these, uh, ineffective bias trainings we were talking about earlier that that they lack the kind of next steps um, and so so my colleagues and I have have kind of pulled together this toolkit um, and that'll be some of what we share each week you know so, so some of those tools uh, some of them are like cognitive things like mental thing exercise kinds of things that you can do to help make bias less likely over time some of them are more interpersonal. Uh, 
sorts of things, how to create inclusion in, in workplace environments and, and stuff like that. Um, but but t- together, they, they give you a really good uh, handle on how to make progress, yeah. how to take action, yeah. putting yeah. that forward. Putting them forward, yeah. And, you know, you came and did this training for my institution and my department. And in looking at even just some of the feedback from it, that was the biggest thing that people took away from this, let alone just not just your approach to the conversation, but they felt really empowered. They felt empowered to take those next steps because they're like, oh, these are practical things that I can do and I'm not just leaving feeling the weight of the conversation. Yeah, that kind of powerlessness can petrify people. Yeah, and it stops them. Yeah, it petrifies them. It stops them from moving. It stops them from actually doing anything. And so that was, I think that's one of those biggest things. Absolutely the motivation, the, um, you know, Awareness. awareness. And then, really the practical tools. And so I'm really excited that we'll kind of explore more of what that looks like. And then one last final thing uh, is you have to put in effort over time. You have to actually use the tools. You have to try. Uh, Because, you know, (laughs) these things have been programmed into our Mm -hmm. our brains over so many years. They're not just going to disappear with a magic wand. Right. Uh, You have to put in the effort over time, just like breaking any other kind of habit. So. It's like practice, you know, some people say practice makes perfect, but it's more like practice makes permanent, right? Or practice makes progress. Or practice makes progress. Oh, I like that so much better. <laughs> practice makes progress. And that's what it's you have never going to gonna be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And in, we want yeah. things to be dynamic and we want yeah. them to continue to change as you learn more about yourself. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it. just one last time, motivation, awareness, yeah. tools, and effort. Yes. The motivation and the effort have to come from you as an individual. Yeah. You have to, to put that out there. But that awareness component and that tools component. Component. There's a lot that our, our training content can help you with, and that, and we're going to cover that uh, on this podcast. I love it. One last little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, part of why I'm so excited about this podcast yeah. with you in particular yeah. is your your clinical kind of training. So, yeah. uh, you know the 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 bias habit breaking training that we do was built on this this habit idea that Trish originally had. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I've, I've worked with it over many years, trying to kind of update it and so on. I draw a lot on things like cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. You know, so much stuff in evidence based clinical psychology and clinical kind of kind of therapy work mm-hmm. is about it's about helping people change their their well-worn cognitive patterns right, change exactly. their mental habits, yep. right? And so I think it's it can be directly ported over to this kind of social justice work Absolutely. and bias reduction work. Yeah. And but but I, I am I'm just trained as a scientist, mm-hmm. not as a therapist. Yeah. That's that just wasn't my program. Yeah. And so as we go through these things, having your additional insights yeah. uh, from your therapy background, like I didn't even know about this ACT a- yeah. ACT yep, therapy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know that was a thing. But yeah. it's, I'm interested to continue seeing the insights that you bring to what Absolutely. we already have as part of this training. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're, you're right. I, I'm, I'm super excited about it too, but I, I think that there is, there's so much that can be, you know, when we're talking about it from a scientific perspective, um, but then the clinical side, what it does is it, again, it grounds it in like, okay, so how does this show up in your life, right? Like yeah. in the various ways and our interactions. And sometimes that can be more innocuous things, more explicit things. Um, and it can come out in ways that we don't necessarily even identify as a bias, oh. right? Like, and so I think that that's where some of that will come in. And I'm excited to talk about yeah. all of, all of the things. Also, <laughs> we're doing this podcast just because we love talking to each other. This is true. This is also 
so true. <laughs> uh, it's a little self-serving in that respect. <laughs> uh, but but we do hope it will actually be be useful the way we Absolutely. believe it will. All right. So another thing we wanted to do, since uh, we are both two people doing this kind of Jedi work, mm-hmm. uh, experts in this area, yeah. um, is have questions from the audience. <laughs> so let's do that now. Um, so this is like our first episode. <laughs> so how exactly do we have questions from the audience? <laughs> well, that's an excellent question, Amber. Um, so um, in my my last semester of, of working with students, uh, I actually, uh, they were really excited at this, the idea of this podcast. Awesome. And uh, I was like, yeah, I, I would want audience questions, but you know, we're going to be recording. Like how, we don't have an audience. What? We don't have an audience. Yet. And so, so they, they pulled together together a list of potential questions that could start us off. Um, Now, those of you listening or or watching at home, uh, we would love to hear your questions. Uh, And if you go to our website, diversejoy.com, there will be a way there for you to submit questions that might pop up on a future episode. But for today's episode, one of my amazing students, Maylee Lore, uh, came up with this question. Um, So is bias always negative? Isn't sometimes bias Mm. about positive things? And is is Mm. that still wrong? Yeah. What do you think, Amber? That's such a good question. (laughs) Um, I think that bias um, in and of itself does not have um, a a judgment or a value on it, right? It's not neither positive nor negative. And we all have biases in in a variety of things, right? But we can have these innocuous things that we have a bias towards. Like when I have a bias towards a certain type of music or a certain style of dress or our hobbies the things that we like the food that we like right and those things are not really they don't have any impact on another person or personhood or a people group um and so those types of biases obviously don't have any like negative outcomes but even positive bias um quote unquote positive biases like things saying um like maybe asians are good at math right? right um or any other thing and or black women are good at gospel singing. or black women are good <laughs> gospel singers right like while it might have a positive connotation operationally the ways in which we behave or how it impacts other people may not necessarily be positive or the person may not experience it as a positive you're, thing. you're still putting an assumption before the absolutely that other person as, right. a, as a human being right and, and one way we talk about this in the the literature there's a, a concept called uh, shifting standards right. that, that also comes into play even if you have this idea that members of a certain group are good at something a lot yeah. of people are like but that's a positive thing that, right. that's great again right. asian people are good at math black right. women are, are good at singing gospel right part of the problem is it, it puts extra uh pressure on them and then also holds them to a higher High standard. standard. Right. So, so, you know, if you're thinking of all Asian people as good at math, especially right. good at math, well, if you have an Asian student who's just average, average at math, right. Right. they're seen as less than they're seen right. as being bad at math because right. the standard for Asians is set higher. Exactly. Um, so the, even quote unquote positive biases right. uh, put restrictions on or or restrict the opportunities of members of those groups, and, and that's something we've demonstrated in lots of different kinds of research studies Absolutely. that that those higher standards still cause problems. For still, sure. you, you know, no one comes home and says, "Gosh, I was so happy I got stereotyped today." Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Even if it's a positive thing, right? Like, and uh, one other. 
uh, aspect of this yeah. is when someone is good at something yeah. and it also is a stereotype of that group, yeah. having that kind of positive bias kind of robs them a little bit of, yeah. of their their specialness, their talent. Right. right. Um, their I have a friend who's a, he's a gay man and he's uh, a hairdresser and he's yeah. a really good hairdresser. He worked yeah. really hard at yeah. it. Um, and he he told me a story once. Uh, his name's Mark Hatlin. Hi, Mark. <laughs> hey, Mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he said once someone said something to them like, well, oh, well, of course you're a good hairdresser because you're gay. Because you're gay, yeah. And it was like, mm-hmm. well, that's an expectation. That's maybe a positive bias. The gay men are good at fashion right. kinds of things. Right. But that totally uh, like robbed him of all yeah. the hard work, all yeah. the, the fact that he's a creative it's person. Dismissive, yeah. All the work he put into it is like, oh, you're gay, so of course you're good at that. Right. It, it, it robs you of some of that. And right. so even when it's a maybe positive assumption, yeah. uh, let's, let's just not have assumptions, man. Right, right. <laughs> Again, and it, it doesn't acknowledge the amount of work that somebody does to get to where they are, right? right? And and the intention around like I chose this, I work hard at this, like I deserve my flowers too, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I deserve my flowers. I earned this. It's not just because I'm gay. It's not just because I'm black. It's not just because I'm Asian. It's not because yeah. of these things. I happen to be this, and I also happen to be really good at this thing. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, so thank you again, Maylee, for your awesome question. That's an awesome question. Thank you. All right. Uh, so uh, one thing that we uh, decided we always kind of wanted to end on mm-hmm. um, is some kind of recommendation. Yeah. And uh, some of the idea behind this is, well, one, diverse joy, like something that's bringing us joy that we thought might bring other people joy as right. well. So things like books, movies, TV yes. shows, those sorts of things. But very often in DEI or JEDI, Jedi uh, spaces, yes. uh, people, people think of kind of recommendations to diversify the kind of media you can consume always oh. has to be hard work. Right. Like it's something like it has to be roots, the, right. the right. series or, mm-hmm. uh, do the right thing, right? Uh, which is I, a great movie, but All it's a difficult things. movie. Right. Like it's a movie that you're supposed to kind of do hard work with, I sit with, mm-hmm. um, and and that's actually uh, uh, not not what we're going to do. At least right. most of the time, most of the time, um, right. most of the time, it's it's just recommend something that we we find joy in. Uh, and uh, when we're talking about trying to work on our biases, part of it actually is having that joy, watching Absolutely. a TV show or something that. Uh, showcases members of a social group you're not a part of, exactly. but but joyfully, because then you build positive mental associations with exactly. members of those groups. Hear about their perspectives, even when it's not a, necessarily a quote-unquote difficult topic. Right. And it normalizes um, it, right? Yeah. Yes, so you have these absolutely. positive associations, but also is less othering, too, because exactly. it's becoming more normalized. You're more attuned to it. You're more familiar with you it. have that emotional connection that Absolutely. also enhances your empathy related Absolutely. to members yeah. of those groups and yeah. when you have input into your brain you know associations with uh we're going to talk about black folks because that's right. going to be our recommendation today yeah that's other stuff in your head that pushes back against the exactly. stereotypes and biases making exactly. them less uh take up less real estate in your yeah. mental in your representations mental. of mm-hmm. members of that group so uh, i i uh claimed the first recommendation <laughs> uh this is a really fun tv show that i just started sharing with Amber. Yes. Um, so I'd like to recommend a TV show, TV show called Grand Crew. Right. Uh, so this is a TV show created and run by Phil Augusta Jackson. Okay. 
Um, it airs on NBC and you can get it streaming on Peacock. Uh, that's how we watch it. And it is just a hilarious, fun, uh, so fun. silly, silly show. Uh, it's about a group of black friends. So yep. it's a group of black guys and black men and women mm -hmm. uh, who are just a, a crew. They're, yep. they're a group of friends. They're living their lives. They're yep. uh, having typical sitcom kind of situations. Absolutely. We just watched an episode where uh, a washing machine exploded. Right. You know, they, kind of, they kind of turned it into a, a phone, phone party. party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and and it's it uh, every once in a while they do actually deal with a, a serious issue or, or uh, uh, you know talk about racism incidents or, or things right. like that. But but I would say it's not the main point of the show. The main point is it's some black people having fun, Absolutely. having some black joy, having some black joy. Um, and so I I really recommend it. Uh, and I've just started introducing yes. uh, Amber to it. One of the things we both like about it yes. is it also stars Nicole Byer, My girl, Nicole. who is hilarious. I, I love, love her. her. Yes, <laughs> she's so great. And you had a story you wanted to well, toss yeah, about you know, her. So I, yeah, I love Nicole Byer, um, everything about her. I had some people again both positive and negative like that were both big black fabulous women um and so i have had some folks who are like oh you remind me of nicole Byer. <laughs> um and normally i would take offense to that but also i'm like but she's amazing yeah. and also <laughs> if you're gonna compare me to nicole Byer, i can't take it by anything but a, a compliment so <laughs> i'm happy with that uh, but one of the other shows that she does first of all grand crew was awesome i've only seen a few episodes but i can't wait to like borrow Peacock and watch some more episodes. <laughs> um, but one of the other shows like she's really known for too is Nailed It, right? Love Nailed It. That's where I it was introduced to her first. I love Nailed It. And I actually use it a lot when I'm talking about diversity, actually. Yeah. Again, it's an innocuous, like joyful thing, but I talk about it in that like the show is centers on these regular people yeah. um, who don't bake they're not bakers <laughs> and they're given they're they're tasked with this like really crazy task or wild task excuse me um to like do a gravity defying cake right or like a person <laughs> yeah. and um, but they're given all of the instructions they have access to an expert they have all of the things in order to like do this well and inevitably they don't do it well right because they don't have enough time <laughs> they, they don't have enough time <laughs> like there's all these things they're really you know it doesn't mean that they're not trying hard they put in their best effort they have access to all of this stuff but oftentimes it does not turn out the way that they anticipated or what they were intending to do and I talk about that when it comes to working at diversity stuff right like you can go in with all the best intention. You can have access to all of the skills. You can have access to experts and you're going to make mistakes. Oh, you're going absolutely. to swap salt for sugar. You're going to like, <laughs> have never made buttercream before. I've never done like building a person out of like whatever. Um, but every time that you do it, you learn a little bit more. You learn about yourself. You learn how to navigate this differently. And you have to have that grace for yourself for it to not look like you in like you had hoped in your brain because <laughs> it's not going to be, but it's still that progress. It's still you're learning nice. so much. You're going, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy. You're going to make mistakes, <laughs> but <laughs> lean into that process um, and and find out what you can learn about it along awesome. the way. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah. So this week you get two recommendations. I know. Yeah, sorry. And, and actually that. No, that's perfect <laughs> because uh, they they showcase the one last thing I wanted to say about yeah. Grand Crew Grand and, Crew. and yep. that I want to cover every week is so, you know, 
it does the show do diversity well is right. one way that yep. some people ask that question. Is it a diverse show? Right. So in this particular case, I would say no. It right. is all black people. Yeah. Uh, very occasionally there's a white extra. Right. And and so <laughs> so the question is like, well, is that okay? Quote yeah. unquote. And, and my answer is yes. Yes. Uh, there are so many shows that are all right. white people. Right. <laughs> um, and and the point isn't that every show or everything is going to have perfect diversity. Where they right. check all the the all types the of diversity yeah. I, I i think there's maybe even one gay character in the two seasons so far yeah. right but but that's not that's not the point it's not that right. it has to check every box sitting and living in that black experience right. through the tv at least right, right, right. um is in and of itself a, a good nice thing and Absolutely. what you want is to strive for your uh whole menu of media yes. and things you consume you want diversity across different things Absolutely. it's not necessarily that a, a single thing can't be you know, fully diverse fully in diverse. all of the anyway. things. Yeah. And, and that's something where the nailed it kind of yeah. was the other side of that. So right. it has a lot of diversity in it, right. as you kind of said, yeah. across the seasons, you know, they try to make sure they have people of different religions. Yep. They do a Hanukkah thing yep. uh, for one of their holiday things. Yeah. They have definitely had couples where mm-hmm. they're same sex and opposite cu- sex, right. couple, sex couples. Right. Uh, pretty sure they, they, they've had trans people and yeah. people of, of different races, yeah. ethnicities, all that stuff. And so that's a show where, all the kinds of diversity have actually Absolutely. been showcased in yeah. there a lot. And so I think those are two uh, two things that we're going to keep talking about. Right. And sometimes we're going to have shows that maybe do one thing well and it's good as part of a bigger media diet Absolutely. that people have. And sometimes uh, there are going to be shows that actually part of their goal or part of their design is for the diversity to be contained within it. And right. I uh, both are exciting. Both are valuable. Absolutely. Both can bring diverse can joy. Be, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and I think that there's, again, um, something really – meaningful and important to talk about around diversity is that um in in efforts to talk about diversity in every single spectrum that sometimes we miss out on opportunities to center right and to yes. center experiences and so things like grand crew where it's not necessarily about doing all of diversity well but it's saying i'm we're centering a black experience yes. and recognizing that one being black is not a monolith, right? There is no one way to be black. Right. <laughs> and there is absolutely. there is no one black experience, but here are some of the things that happen in black community or in some black communities and here's this experience and that's an opportunity again like you said for us to get ourselves used to to normalize others experiences and remove the other ringness of of groups that we are not a part of. Yeah. And so there's something really beautiful about those recommendations too that are centering a specific experience. Yes. Oh, you say it so much more beautifully than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes. And so yeah, uh if you're interested, check out Grand Crew, Grand Center Crew. the Black Experience yeah. of it or some black experiences yep. as as you said. Um and, and it's just a fun show. It yeah. will make you laugh and giggle. And if you and love Nicole Byer, definitely watch it. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And one thing we always want to do is make sure, you know, we're accountable for anything that we're talking about, recommending. Right, for sure. Uh, so one other thing our producer just uh, informed slash reminded us of, yep. apparently, uh, allegedly nailed it, mm-hmm. got shut down mm-hmm. uh, or shut themselves down because of attempts to unionize, mm. which I don't think is very nice. Right. Uh, yeah. I d- I'm definitely pro-union. Absolutely. People, Things are better when people work together. Absolutely. Um, so I want to acknowledge that as, Absolutely. you know, potential 
potentially uh, sticky aspect of of that secondary sure. recommendation we have. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, again, us being conscientious of what we're consuming and, and all the time. And that's part of the bias acknowledgement, too, and awareness yeah. raising, too. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, great first episode, I think. Um, so uh, I'm Dr. William Cox, and uh, my co-host has been Dr. Amber <laughs> Nelson, and produced by Eric Roman Bining with music by Jay Arner. Diverse Joy is consumable as either an audio-only podcast or a video podcast, both accessible at diversejoy.com. New episodes drop the first Wednesday of every month. Diverse Joy is the official podcast of Inequity Agents of Change, a nonprofit devoted to the dissemination of evidence-based approaches to reduce bias, create inclusion, promote equity, and enhance diversity. As we said today, all that good Jedi work. <laughs> um, you can learn more at bias.habit.com. Thank you for watching and listening. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Quick click. Click.